0: Todd Weinburner is next. Uh, Todd has taken a lot of time from people by telling his stories to one person at a time. Now he's telling stories to a bunch of people all at the same time to improve his efficiency. He hopes it works. Todd works in radio at WJEZ in Pontiac and is occasionally heard on WJBC in Bloomington Normal. He's on the board at Heartland Theater Company and he's appearing next month in Waiting for Godot. Go see it. Todd says of January, it is the heart of winter, so therefore not as nice as other months. Todd Weinberg. I know what boys like, I know what guys want. I know what boys like, I got what boys like. I what I what perhaps boys should explain. Like. Uh, I have a problem with January want. because on Monday, I uh, slipped and fell on the ice and tore up my leg. So I decided to take it like a man and whine about it incessantly. <laughs> At any rate, that's the way my week has been going and this is daunting. I've never done this before and I'm I'm accustomed to being on stage where I can blame other people's words <laughs> for the problem. I've done a lot of acting, but I don't I don't necessarily like being myself, but it's, it's good to be up here, and uh, it's great to be a part of this, some great stories. I wanted to add to Dave's story, which might be a mistake, uh, but I, I could not agree more when I was, but 19, which was just a couple of years ago. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was in Chicago, and it was the same kind of thing. Small town, boy, I don't know the big city. I don't know anything about anything. I'd never been anywhere. I, you know I'd gone from Tremont to Morton, which is like seven miles been to Peoria a couple of times. <laughs> wow. So I'm in the big city. We went to Chicago to see a play through one of the classes at school. And so a bunch of us pile into this cab. And uh, the driver is obviously not from the United States. So we being, you know, uh, naive and arrogant young 19-year-olds, we just start asking him all kinds of personal questions. And he was actually very forthcoming. And it turned out he was from Iran. And so uh, some of the people in the car started asking him about what it was like to be from Iran. And you're talking about the period of time with the Shah is is what made me think of this story because at one point somebody said something about the Shah. And just as matter-of-factly as you might say, after I get off work I'm going to the grocery store, the driver said, someday the people of Iran will bring the Shah back and kill him. And we had the same reaction in the cab. It's like... (laughs) Ah, okay. <laughs> Think I'll go back to Tremont, Illinois, and be naive again. So it, it, your your story really resonated with me. I've got a story, and I, I hope it resonates with a few people. I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I really want to tell this story or not, but <laughs> we're we're committed now. So. When uh, uh, Devin and John talked to me about being a part of this, uh, you know, I said, what am I going to do? The the aha moment. I said, there's all kinds of stories a person could tell. All kinds of stories have been told here tonight, and I've just enjoyed the living daylights out of it. But when I got thinking about it, I said, "Where, where do we get this notion of an aha moment? You know, how do we know what's an epiphany and what's not? And so I start thinking back in my own life, and I start to think, well... You know, there's a point in our development where we're socialized enough and experienced enough to where we start to say, you know what, this experience is is probably something I should make a mental note of. You know, you, you have your first aha moments and recognize them as such. I'm sure when you're a kid, the first time you bite into a cupcake, you're like, wow! But we don't really carry that with us. There are a lot of cupcakes, but I want to talk about that phase of my life when I was young and I was in grade school and I had a buddy. I had a buddy named Doug and every time I I come to a conclusion about these epiphanies I say you know what it goes back to experiences I had with Doug. So I thought I would talk about Doug tonight. (laughs) Doug and I were fast friends and you got to understand when I was a kid I was a a young kid with the soul of a poet. I was kind of shy And I was kind of reticent. I was perfectly content to to sit back and just watch life go by, just watch it unfold, you know, just see what happens. I was okay with that. Drove my parents nuts. Why don't you join the team? I'm watching. I, I don't need to join the team. If I'm in center field, I can't see anything, you know. That was my attitude. I was a young guy with the soul of a poet. Doug was a young guy with the soul of a demolitions expert. He was headstrong and he was impulsive and his basic approach to life is, let's grab onto this and see how hard we can pull before it breaks. <laughs> that was my buddy Doug. So we kind of completed each other and we got along great. I mean, we were thick as thieves. We somehow got together in the fourth grade or so and then his family moved away in the sixth grade. It wasn't tragic, but we just, we had some great times as we went along. Now, this is, you know, as, this is a few days ago. Doug and I did our palin' around back in the 1960s. Uh, I was very impressed that Doug had a bicycle with five speeds. That's how far back we're going. The Bronco handlebars and the whole bit, you know. Oh, I thought he was cool. And we would go to Doug's house and we would have these sleepovers. And that's what you did in those days. You hung out with your friends. Now, I lived in a house with a brother and a sister. My parents, it was a ranch house. We didn't have all that much space. Doug was an only child. His family lived in a two-story house with a finished basement. So we had the run of the place. This was great, and I was over there a lot. Well, of course, we're talking about the days. No cell phones, no big screen TVs in every room, no VCRs even. I mean, we're back in the dark ages. We did have automobiles, but just barely. Um, so I, I start to think, what, what did we do back then? And in the case of me and Doug, mostly we would lie to each other. That, that was our form of entertainment. And on these sleepovers, we would lie a lot. I mean, we would tell some doozy stories and the one that sticks in my head most clearly It's not really my aha moment I want to talk about, but Doug, my buddy, my pal, I'm obligated to believe him, Doug tells me about his dad. And I came to call him Doug's mythic dad because I barely ever saw the man. But in the basement, Doug had a utility room where he kept all his toys and his balls and bats and all these kinds of things. And on the wall in the utility room was a picture of Doug's mythic dad in a hockey uniform. So Doug tells me that his mythic dad played some semi-pro hockey. And I said, really, that's very interesting. And then Doug goes on to tell me he could have been a pro, but he had a terrible accident. One night he's playing in a game, and the hockey puck hit him in the chest. And I said, wow, that must have been bad. He said, bad? It went into his chest. <laughs> well, this is my pal. I don't want to just call him out and say that's nuts. So I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And he says, oh, and to make matters worse, he says, they took him to the emergency room and the doctor said, nothing can be done. (laughs) So he told me his dad, who I'd barely ever seen, still had that hockey puck (laughs) stuck in his chest. Now, of course, years later, you start to think about it and you say, first of all, he played in one mean semi-pro hockey league because <laughs> there was somebody there would get a 400-mile-an-hour slap shot. You know? like a... The other thing is, of course, he must have been playing in a town with the worst emergency room <laughs> in history. You know, Sir, if that was a bullet, we could get in there and get it out, but that's, that's a piece of hard rubber the size of a tuna can. We can't work with that back in the day I, I still wanted to get to know doug's dad better because I wanted to try to catch him in a t-shirt or something so i could <laughs> so I could see that little semicircle of rubber sticking out of his chest so this is the the nature of conversations between me and Doug, and this kind of brings me to my actual aha moment, my actual epiphany. We are at an age where we're still in the single digits or just barely out we're down in Doug's nice, but non-electronic basement, so we have to entertain each other. And we would go down there for our sleepovers. Mom and Dad were up on the second floor. Everything was great, and we would tell our lies. And every night it was the same ritual. It would get time to go to bed. We'd get our sleeping bags out, get our little jammy bottoms on and our T-shirts and stuff, and we'd be all ready to go. And Doug's dad would come to the top of the stairs, and he would say, it's time for you guys to go to bed now. And I'm sure his voice was enhanced by the hockey puck in his chest because he sounded very stern when he said, and don't go behind the bar. And we said, huh? Well, of course, I think there's enough people in the room who remember the trend. You finished your basement and one of the things you had to have, even people who didn't drink, had a wet bar. You had to have it. Well, Doug's parents had one. And so I was, I, I, I accept what's put in front of me. Doug's dad says, don't go behind the bar. I don't want Doug's dad yelling at me. Well, maybe long enough to see the, the hockey puck. <laughs> but for the most part, I was passive. I said, you know what? If your dad says, don't go behind the bar, let's not go behind the bar. And most of the time, we didn't until one night. The lights are out. Me and Doug in our sleeping bags, you know. Doug pokes me. He says, you asleep? And I said, no. And he said the magic words, just like something out of a Harry Potter book. A powerful spell was cast when he said, you want to go behind the bar? (laughs) Now, even at that tender age, I was learning the manly arts. And so, of course, I said, "Ah, well, you know. I'm kind of comfortable here in the sleeping bag. And of course, inside, I'm thinking, do I want to go to Wisconsin Dells? Do I want to go to Disneyland? Yes, I want to go behind the bar. (laughs) So Doug pretended to persuade me. I pretended to be persuaded. And we climbed out of our sleeping bags. Now, we didn't dare turn on the lights. This was stealth mode, even though in those days there was no such thing as stealth mode. But we absolutely did not want anything getting in the way of our getting behind the bar. And so I looked, well, at this this age, the bar is taller than I am. And I say, how can we do this? This is insurmountable. I look, and there's the end of the bar, and there's the wall. And I thought, there's the portal. (laughs) That's how you get back there. Now, of course, looking back as an adult, you say, of course, you moron. How else are you going to get behind the bar but to me? It was a magical journey. So, here we go. Me and Doug. Doug's like, like Virgil leading me, Dante, into the <laughs> inferno, you know. I'm following blindly behind my friend. And yet, I, I, there is nothing more attractive, or less attractive, excuse me, in the world than window wells. I have seen some beautifully finished basements, and the only way you light them is with window wells. But these were magical that night. I don't know where the light was coming from but there was this glow in the room because we were going behind the bar. So we're making our way. And of course, nothing happened. Nobody accosted us. Demons did not fly out. No blow dart guns trying to stop us. We just walked right back. Oh, did we think we were cool. And then it all started to get to me. I was losing my nerve. I was behind the bar. So I'm looking and there, there, behind the bar, is a bottle of Galliano. You ever seen Galliano? Comes in this ridiculous bottle. It's like seven feet tall. It's yellow. I'm guessing Doug's mom and dad got it as a gift because it looked untouched. Didn't matter. It was behind the bar. It was magic. It had spirits inside of it. Oh my God, am I cool? Doug and I are looking around. They had a bottle of Frangelico. You ever seen Frangelico? It's a liqueur. It comes in a bottle shaped like a monk. <laughs> I was fascinated. So they, got, they got Frangelico. It's shaped like a monk. It looked like Mrs. Butterworth had gone wrong, you know. <laughs> was losing my mind. There was a Crown Royal bottle. Oh, and it was so provocative because it was all crown shaped. And then the little velvet bags just kind of lay in there underneath it like it's all casual, you know. And I said, oh my God, it's Crown Royal. Now, you've got to understand this bar, even though it was a mythic parapet to me, this bar they probably had to go to Sears Roebuck to get a bar of this quality. So it's L-shaped, so you've got all the booze that I'm looking at, which is cool enough, and then of course you've got the L, which comes around, and on this side is all your bar towels and your glassware and all this kind of stuff that you need to entertain your friends, and in between is this little angular section. And the angular section held the hardware, you know, the jiggers and the the strainers and the things you learn about when you're an adult. When I was a kid, it looked like surgical tools. I didn't know what it was, but it was behind the bar. It's cool. And then, then something happened. Then my aha moment actually happened. There was a picture behind the bar. It was a picture, it was about that tall, it was a picture, and there was a little calendar, and there was a little animal. It, it, it was a rabbit. It was a rabbit wearing a bow tie. It was a picture like I'd never seen before. <laughs> if by some strange twist of fate, my buddy Doug is somewhere tonight, telling a group of people this same story. The story from his point of view is gonna sound like this. So I stood there in the light of the window wells, and I turned to my buddy, Todd, and he looked like this. (laughs) So Doug says, do you wanna see the rest of the pictures? I said, no, no. I said, don't ruin the moment. Just leave this the way it is. I just stood there for the longest time, and then my mind started to reel, and I suddenly saw in my mind every adult woman I had ever known, <laughs> and I said, "I'm surrounded." Oh my goodness! Ah. ah. And then we got bored and went back out to the sleeping bags and <laughs> went back to bed. Because we were boys, we didn't know. We knew, we knew something had happened there behind the bar. We knew we were not the same. We didn't have any idea what had changed. Didn't have any idea what road we were on. Just the way things played out that night. And we went on with our business the next day. Now, did it affect me? Well, I'm telling the story, first of all. And second of all, years later, I'm at work. I'm allegedly a fully formed adult. And I'm bored. We kind of hit a lull. Something was happening where we couldn't really do any work. So we got in this debate about B-grade movie stars. And we get in an argument about who was in what film and, you know, Jungle. It's all that nonsense you talk about when you have nothing to talk about. And so I pull up. Google image search. Well, I think we all know if you go to Google image search, if you keep scrolling down far enough, you're going to get some bizarre connections. You know, you look for wingtip shoes, and the next thing you know, you're looking at roosters for sale. It just, it just keeps <laughs> connecting. The algorithms keep extrapolating. So we were trying to find this particular B-grade movie star. I went down, page, 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 and suddenly there she was again. Same picture, same caption, same little rabbit. (laughs) Everything was exactly the same. And outside, having learned my manly lessons well, I said, you know what, I think I've seen that picture before. (laughs) And inside, I'm going... (laughs) (laughs) So what does it all mean? You know, I, uh, the, the word woke was used earlier, and I, I like to think I have some awareness of sensitivities going on around me. So is this good? Is this bad? I don't know. It's what happened. But I'll tell you what, if I ever figure out exactly what it means in the grand scheme of my life, I'll let you know, and I will say, Aha! Aha! <laughs>